campers it's your girl your host Haley Rawl welcome back to girls camp we have a doozy of an episode today and I mean that when I say it we are talking about Mormon modesty stories and I was so overwhelmed by the amount of submissions that came in on this topic and we just have so much to talk about I'm actually thinking I'm going to do a part one and part two on modesty because there, again, is just so much to it. So I will get a little bit more into that later. But first of all, I wanted to give a little life update, have a bit of a campfire chat. So I posted a video on TikTok and I do feel like I talk about TikTok a disproportionate amount on this podcast and for that I'm sorry, but I think this is worth talking about. I posted a video on TikTok and the video was essentially me going on a bit of a rant about my frustration and feeling upset at the men in my life my husband, my stepdad, my brother-in-law, because my mom and sisters and I were planning Mother's Day dinner for Sunday. We were coordinating food assignments, picking out the time, the place, all that stuff. So I was feeling emotional about this. I posted a video and it started getting some traction. I took it down, showed Bentley the video, made sure he was okay with me talking about, you know, this issue that is ultimately a marital issue publicly. He said he was okay with it. So I reposted it and it started to get a lot of traction. At the beginning, it was mostly a lot of women saying they really resonated with what I was saying. They appreciated me speaking to this emotional labor, domestic labor issue that is ultimately, I think, a societal issue comes down to a lot of social conditioning, things like that. So I had a lot of women appreciating what I was saying, some men that were saying they were learning from what I was saying. And then the video got stitched by a really big creator. Her name is Laura Danger or That Darn Chat. I think that's her Instagram handle. And she talks a lot about her whole thing is talking about domestic labor, emotional labor, how undervalued those forms of labor are, and trying to help couples and teach people in heterosexual relationships how to be more equally yoked when it comes to those things. Anyway, she stitched the video and she had some super good things to say. She was super validating toward my feelings But when she posted the video, I got this really overwhelming onslaught of people then coming to my video on TikTok, and they were saying a lot of things like, dump him, you should get a divorce, your husband's a piece of shit. Some people were even going so far as to say that I, as an individual, was upholding the patriarchy, and the patriarchy was my fault because I was staying with my husband. There was just this wave of anger I felt directed toward me and projected onto me and my marriage. And it was really shitty. Like, I did not handle it very well when that started coming in because obviously I had showed up online and said something quite vulnerable and quite messy about my marriage. And now all these people were telling me how shitty 
my marriage was. <laughs> and anyway, that happened. I was kind of dealing with those comments coming through. And then another creator who her handle is the dad vacate. So you can imagine the kind of creator she might be. She found my video, was leaving some unhinged comments, and then she did a whole 20-minute YouTube video basically mocking me, saying that, well, I guess what you need to know is the thumbnail of her YouTube video was mom shames husband into spoiling her for Mother's Day. (laughs) So she was just completely willfully misunderstanding my whole point of my video and she had this YouTube video and people were finding my video through that and then I had this huge onslaught mostly of men who were saying I'm spoiled and a pissy rich girl and my husband should divorce me. So then there was all that coming at me and it's just been a lot. It's been a super interesting experience because I have never had anything go viral at all. And just especially on this topic, it's really charged. And a lot of people have a lot of feelings about it. And it was just interesting to feel like I was kind of in the middle or this like character that people were projecting all their different thoughts and feelings around this subject of traditional gender roles onto. All that said, I think it's clearly caused me to think a lot about gender roles and how much of the way that I view gender roles and gender roles are viewed in my marriage are inevitably affected by my Mormon upbringing and my husband's Mormon upbringing. And we're working on it, but we have a lot of work still to do. It's really hard to deconstruct and unpack. And it was also interesting watching all of this unfold because this is such a huge issue in society. These gender role differentiations and women taking on this emotional labor. And I kept thinking, people don't even understand this added layer of Mormonism that makes it even more magnified and even more difficult for marriages especially marriages like mine, where we got married very young, where our marriage was founded in a lot of ways on these Mormon principles. It's just a lot. It's a lot to unpack. And Bentley and I are still very much in the thick of it. And it feels kind of scary and vulnerable to even say that, even though I've kind of mentioned it on the podcast before, just putting it out into the internet and getting so much feedback is overwhelming. But I'm glad that I spoke to it because it's obviously very resonant and I know a lot of you listening are probably going through similar things where you're trying to unpack and deconstruct in your own marriages and I want to talk about that more in depth. I'm hoping to find an expert of some sort that can come on the podcast and that I can talk to about all of this because, again, I just think it's super, super relevant, especially for post-Mormons. So that's something to look forward to. Just wanted to give you that whole saga. Go watch all the TikToks. A bunch of people stitched it. If you want to read some of the comments, there's a lot of drama. So it's a rabbit hole you might want to go down. 
The last thing I will say on that note is I did get a lot of followers and any publicity is good publicity, so they say. But if any of you found me through TikTok and are here, welcome to Girls Camp. It was all worth it if I found some new campers along the way. Okay, let's talk about modesty, shall we? I have some of my own stories to tell. So what I'm going to do is talk about my modesty stuff and then just jump right into reading the submissions and maybe scatter some more stories of mine throughout because I got a lot of modesty baggage, let me tell you that much. Because there were so many submissions and I really want to talk about all the different modesty things, what I'm planning to do is focus on modesty in this episode and then next week for an adjacent episode, an adjacent, a sister episode to the modesty episode, we are going to talk more specifically about garments because a lot of the write-ins were garment related and I think garments we could just talk about forever just the garment stuff itself. So stay tuned for more in-depth garment talk and how we all feel about garments, how we feel about taking them off. And next week, I want to talk more about what it's like post-Mormon when we are figuring out what to wear and taking off our garments, doing that around family members, not actually physically taking off the garments in front of family members, but wearing non-garment clothing around family members. So that's going to be the part two. Today, we're just going to talk about all the horror stories of Mormon modesty. Modesty was a big issue for me growing up in the church. I don't feel like I had that many issues with the church as an adolescent, but of the issues I did have, modesty was one of the top things. As you will hear, I just had a lot of run-ins around modesty, and it was just something that I always felt bothered by, that always, it was always something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to try and dress modestly. I felt annoyed by the intense, intense focus on modesty, which sounds like was a fairly universal experience from what you all wrote in, and yeah, it just bothered me. My first big modesty story, I was 14 years old and I was not technically allowed to wear bikinis, but my mom said that I could wear a bikini if I bought it with my own money. So I went to American Eagle, I believe, and I bought this coral red bikini. I remember it vividly. And I went to Mona Lake with some friends. Any of my Utahns might know of Mona Lake. And we just swam around the lake, took some fun photos. And one of my friends put the photos that we had taken on Facebook and tagged me. That week, we got a call from my bishop, who was a family friend at the time, I think is worth mentioning. And he said he wanted me to come in for an interview. I didn't think much of it. This bishop was really invested in the youth and would sometimes just do check-ins, so I wasn't worried. I go to church that Sunday, and I was wearing a floral blue dress that probably went about mid-thigh, 
I remember the dress specifically as well. I actually had borrowed it from Jacqueline. And I go to my interview after church. I walk in the room. It's just the bishop and I alone in the room, as is typical. And I am about to sit down. And he says to me, first of all, before we start the interview, that dress that you're wearing right now is too short. So obviously I am taken so off guard. I remember a lump forming in my throat. My heart was pounding. So embarrassing, so inappropriate. And I just continued to sit down. I don't even know if I responded. But then he launched into the subject matter at hand, which is, he said, my wife saw some photos of you on Facebook and she saw you were wearing a bikini. And I am super worried about you. I'm worried about what this means for you spiritually. I know that you can't be in a very good spiritual place if you're wearing a swimsuit like that and posting photos of it. And he essentially just criticized me for having worn a bikini. I don't remember much else from the interview. I honestly think I blacked it out, but I just remember sobbing as he was talking to me, sobbing and sobbing, feeling so angry, so ashamed, so upset, probably saying whatever I needed to say to get through the interview and then walking home from church, just crying, angry tears. And what's so heartbreaking to me in retrospect about the story is I think I sensed that it was inappropriate that he had done that. Like I felt violated and uncomfortable. But what I remember feeling more than anything in the actual moment is feeling so frustrated because I felt like I was doing everything I could to be a good Mormon. I was reading my scriptures. I was praying every night. I was participating in young women activities and lessons and Sunday school. I was just really, really trying. And I felt, I genuinely felt like I was a spiritual person, like I was healthy spiritually. And I remember feeling so bothered that this one single thing of me wearing a swimsuit was what the bishop used to judge me as an entire spiritual being. That's what bothered me most in that moment because I just wanted to scream like, there's so many more important things. I'm actually doing really well spiritually. And here you are choosing this one thing and making me feel like a terrible person all around in every aspect of my spiritual life. That was something about modesty that always really bothered me as an adolescent and as a young adult. It's just the easiest way to judge people because it's what we see. And I always felt so frustrated as someone who didn't like dressing modestly and didn't want to do it because it frustrated me in that same way I was saying where I felt like there's so much more to people and to their spirituality than what they choose to wear. But it just bothered me that that seemed to be what there was so much emphasis put on in my ward growing up and just the lessons I was taught. It just felt like it was missing the mark. Anyway, that happened, and then a few months later, I was giving a lesson in Sunday school. I don't remember why someone asked me to give a lesson, 
and I was so excited because I love to teach. I remember I brought my Harry Potter book. I think it was Harry Potter 5 because there was a quote in my Harry Potter book that tied into the lesson. So I had underlined the quote and brought my book and I was just super excited. I had it super thoroughly planned out. And I gave the lesson in Sunday school and I thought it went super well. And the second counselor, so of the same bishopric of the bishop who did the whole bikini interview, he was in the room while I was giving the lesson. He was just visiting the class for whatever reason. And I finished the lesson, the class was over, and he said, hey, Haley, can you come talk to me? And he pulled me into an empty classroom. It was just him and I in the classroom. He shut the door, and I was thinking he was going to say, thank you so much for your effort and preparing this lesson, whatever. Instead, he said, I just think I need to let you know that the shirt that you're currently wearing is too low cut. And I know that the other youth really look up to you. And I just think that you need to be really careful about what you're wearing. And again, I remember the exact article of clothing. I was wearing a cheetah print shirt. I remember it was kind of ruched. It was a little bit of a v-neck and it was like ruched like between the boobs. And not that it even matters, but I have very small boobs. I had even smaller boobs then. Nothing was showing, which even if it was, so inappropriate, so unfair, such a terrible thing to pull a young woman into a room alone as a grown adult man and say, the article of clothing currently on your body, I've noticed it for being too revealing. Absolutely inappropriate on so many levels. And again, I remember my devastation Not just the shame, feeling like I was so immodest, but just feeling so devastated that I was so excited to give this sweet little lesson. And the only thing that this man could think to say to me is, the article of clothing on your body is inappropriate. Okay, the last part to this saga, same ward, same time period, we were given a fireside. There was a Sunday evening fireside And the topic of the fireside was modesty. And we had the whole lesson. I do not remember what was said, but I do remember that after the lesson, we were at the bishop's house, if I remember right. That same second counselor who pointed out my low-cut shirt, he pulled my sister and I aside. So my sister was probably 16 at this point. And he pulled us aside and said, hey... I just wanted to let you girls know that what you wear specifically is really important because we need to make sure the young men are not having inappropriate thoughts and you two need to be extra careful. Like essentially he was saying you're attractive and so you need to dress more modestly because you're attractive and so dressing immodestly will be even harder for the young men to control themselves. I don't even remember like word for word what he said, but I just know that he was implying you two need to be more modest and you need to worry more about modesty than the other young women, which again is so inappropriate on so many levels 
to call my sister and I out specifically based on a perceived level of attractiveness to make us feel so sexually objectified that he had noticed as a grown adult man how we looked and that our looks were going to make us particularly dangerous for the young men the whole thing is so wildly wildly inappropriate also telling us so explicitly you are responsible for making sure the men around you are comfortable and are not having any sexual or impure thoughts. You're in charge of that. That's your responsibility. And I'm letting you know that you need to be super careful what you wear on behalf of the men around you. I think part of the reason that I got so singled out for modesty stuff is because at this time we were in a ward where... We were family friends. I kind of mentioned this, but we were family friends with the bishop and we were kind of family friends with that second counselor and they knew very well my family situation at the time, which is that my mom was essentially single mothering us as my dad was pretty out of the picture. He was in rehab for a while during these teenage years. And I think that the bishop and this counselor really thought that they needed to step in as like father figures for me and maybe for me and my sister. And obviously that does not justify that behavior in any way, shape or form. It was awful and also counterproductive, but I feel like that's maybe why there was this invested interest in our family specifically because they felt like some patriarch needed to step in and tell us to be modest. I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I ever changed what I was wearing because of this. I still wanted to wear my shorter dresses and I was wearing short dresses to prom. My mom and I were always kind of arguing <laughs> about what I was wearing, but I maybe adjusted how I dressed a little bit for church but I remember thinking, this is annoying, this is stupid, this is dumb, but I'm going to wear what I want to wear, and I'm proud of myself for that. I don't feel like I was scared into dressing modestly, but I mean, I think it kind of depended on the context for me. I think when I was around extended family members or, yeah, probably when I was going to activities and stuff, I would try to dress more quote modestly but growing up as an adolescent I was always trying to rock my short shorts and tank tops because that's what I wanted to wear and that's what I felt comfortable in so even though I was getting so much of this messaging I kind of didn't give a shit it just felt shitty to be continually policed in what I was choosing to wear Another thing I've been thinking about with this is how much of a lose-lose situation modesty culture is setting women up for. We talked about this in the purity culture episode, but there really is no way for women or young girls to win because you're being told that your body needs to be covered up, that you're responsible for making sure the men around you aren't aroused and turned on, and that's your responsibility but you're also being told by society 
be beautiful, be sexy, be appealing. And you cannot do all the things. And I remember feeling confused by that as a teenager too. Like I wanted to feel cute. I wanted to wear things that were trendy. I wanted to be attractive, but yet I was also being demonized for doing those things. And it was men in my life, mostly like high school boys that I was hanging out with that were giving me attention if I dressed a certain way. But then I was being told at church that I shouldn't dress this way. And ultimately, we just need to let women and girls dress the way they want to fucking dress (laughs) because it shouldn't matter what the men around us are thinking and feeling. And that confusion is so frustrating. And it's something that I really hope to spare my girls that they can wear what they want to wear and what feels good and comfortable and empowering to them without worrying about either side of that spectrum, right? Without having to appeal to the male gaze if they don't want to, but also obviously, duh, not having to be modest for anybody else either. I also think modesty has a way of really distancing a person from themselves And when you tell a woman that her body is essentially not her own, that she needs to cover up her body on behalf of other people, men specifically around her, you're really taking away autonomy over her own body. And that distances you from yourself and from the experience of living in your own body. It's a form of control over women as well, because... It's quite literally controlling a big aspect of somebody's life, which is what they choose to wear. And it's been interesting reading through all these stories that I'm about to jump into and just reflecting on this more because it's a big deal. I I don't know. I feel like I've kind of internalized this idea sometimes that it's just frivolous and it doesn't really matter so much what you wear But I really do think it matters, not because, you know, you have to wear the nicest, newest clothing or anything like that, but it matters what you wear because it's an expression of self. And even if you don't really care what you wear as an expression of self, it affects your level of comfort and how you interact in the world so significantly. It's what's on your body. It's what you're putting on your body to go out and be in the world. And it's a big deal that women are being told what they can and cannot wear. Alrighty, let's jump into these stories. You guys, whoa. Here's story number one. I went to a church dance and was wearing a dress, and they made me kneel on the ground facing the wall and put my hands up on my head to see if my dress was modest enough to go in. It wasn't, and I had to choose a dress out of a big smelly bin and the only options were Trek dresses. I was 14. I went home. Woof. I'm going to read a couple more about steak dance dress code stuff because unfortunately, this is an incredibly common experience for a lot of you. Going to steak dances, having some form of modesty check, and then literally having to put on another article of clothing that is not your own so you can be more modest. So bad 
on so many levels, this one stuck out to me because what the hell with having to kneel on the ground, face the wall with your hands on your head? How is this allowed? That is so crazy. Actually acting like they're going to arrest you, but really just making you contort yourself in this insane position to check if your dress was long enough. Also, as if you're going to go to the steak dance wearing a stinky, smelly Trek dress, of course you're going to go home. That's what's so counterintuitive to me about this too, is like, come on, you want youth to stay in the church and go to these steak church-sponsored dances, and this is what you're doing? Ugh. Here's another church dance one. I wasn't let into a YSA dance when I was 23 because my shorts didn't go to my knee. They went halfway down my thigh. Granted, I'm 5'10 and couldn't find shorts to save my life. I pretended to be an investigator, smart, and they still didn't let me in. Grown-ass adults. Grown-ass adults, a 23-year-old woman, and you are telling her what to wear, disregarding that she's tall and is not going to be able to find shorts that go to her knee. Thank God, because those would probably be horrific looking. And then not letting her into a YSA dance. Such a joke. One more church dance one. I'm not sure what it's like in Utah, but I grew up in Southern California, and we had casual multi-stake youth dances every month that most of the kids in my ward went to. You had to get a dance card from your bishop. The church made specific cards with modesty and behavior rules, legit almost like a temple recommend your bishop had to sign. One time, my brother brought a non-member friend to a dance. She wore a casual skirt, and the youth leaders running the dance that night decided it wasn't long enough, even though I'm pretty sure it was longer than her fingertips. And my brother explained that she wasn't a member. They wouldn't let her go into the dance until they literally brought her into a back room and were going to staple a piece of fabric around her to make her modest. Leaders had brought random pieces of fabric specifically for this purpose. Luckily, my brother texted my dad and he drove down to the dance and gave those leaders an earful about it until they let her into the dance as she was. We couldn't believe it and were so embarrassed. I'm sure she never wanted to come back. For a church who's so big on missionary efforts, they're not very welcoming of people who don't dress or act in ways they deem modest or appropriate. Oh my hell. Can you imagine being someone who doesn't know that much about Mormonism, some guy invites you to this dance, you show up, and someone's trying to staple a piece of fabric to your clothing because they think your skirt is too short. That's a fever dream. That's a nightmare. And yeah. Don't they do those dances so people invite non-members so that they join the church? Probably not the best tactic to try and staple fabric onto the clothing items that they show up in. Okay, next story. This person says, I am from Guatemala and here modesty is a must. I was a volunteer once for EFY and the directors told me that I needed to erase all my bikini pictures from Instagram and Facebook if I wanted to be part of the program. My jaw dropped when I read this story. Having to take photos off of your private Instagram and Facebook profile just to be an EFY volunteer. Nutty. 
This is one where we got to start talking about virtue signaling and how much modesty is used for virtue signaling in the church, especially in this one with the EFY volunteer thing. It's like the EFY people are thinking, okay, if we have this woman volunteer and someone goes and looks her up and sees her on Facebook or Instagram and sees that she's wearing a bikini, that's going to send the wrong message. We need to keep it really locked down and make sure anyone associated with the church is dressed modestly, which is just virtue signaling. Like, it really doesn't matter. Obviously, she wants to be an EFY volunteer. She's obviously part of the church and like wants to be participating and doing church stuff but that doesn't matter right she has to appear a certain way so that outsiders or people in the church will based on her appearance based on her dress they can make assumptions about her or understand what kind of person she is but like that doesn't even say what kind of person someone is, what they're wearing. That's why it's just virtue signaling. It's trying to prove something, but it's ultimately not even proof of anything. Okay, also I just Googled the definition of virtue signaling because I said it like 15 times in the past minute. Virtue signaling is when you essentially say something because you're trying to prove that you have a good character. So like, during Black Lives Matter, for example, people were upset with the whole black square thing on Instagram because it was just virtue signaling, but it didn't have any real like substance to it. So I'm not sure I use that word entirely right, but I feel like it's the closest phrase I can get to what I'm trying to say, which is essentially, you know, if you dress modestly, acting like that in and of itself is proof that you are a good person and the church wanting people to dress modestly as proof that they are somehow like more moral or righteous, when in reality, there's really just no substance to how you dress like those things are not correlated. So anyway, that's what I was trying to say. But I'm not sure if I use that term totally correct or not. Okay, next story. This one is more recent. It was back in 2019. I was on my weight loss journey and I just bought a cute, nice maxi dress. Let's keep in mind that I've always been a curvy woman. I got dressed, put on makeup, and drove to church. It was kind of late, so I sat on the last bench. The sacrament meeting was over and a couple of friends approached me to tell me how good I looked in that dress. One of the stake president counselors approached me to say hi and immediately said, you know, that dress is too tight. You're being provocative. I blinked. I felt so embarrassed and ashamed. I wanted to run. Needless to say, that was the last day I wore it to church or any other event. Hmm. Let's just go ahead and say, never comment on what someone's wearing unless you're going to say, you look phenomenal. I love what you're wearing. Where did you get it? Imagine approaching someone to say, that dress is too provocative and too tight. Like saying that to someone's face, completely unsolicited. No, we're not doing that. We're not accepting that. That is not okay. The thing is with being Mormon or growing up Mormon, I feel like we're more used to this than we even realize. 
Like, I feel like we know that it's not good or right, obviously. That's why we're talking about it. That's why you're here. But I don't think we realize the extent to which this is so crazy. Like, in what other setting would someone just approach you and tell you what you're wearing is too provocative? That's just not a thing. Like, that doesn't happen. And we grew up in a religion that really taught people that they could do that to us, that they could say that to us, that they could tell us that we shouldn't be wearing what we're wearing because it's too immodest. I don't know. I guess it's just kind of hitting me right now how insane that is. And we know it's insane, but how we can't even comprehend how actually insane it is because we were so steeped in it, you know, like, I'm just curious, I guess, an outsider's perspective, I need to bring someone on who's not familiar with Mormonism. I have this idea for an episode, actually, where I bring someone on who's not familiar with Mormonism, like the less they know, the better. And I read some of the greatest hits stories that we've collected so far. And without any context, just get their perspective, like their reaction, because I think someone who has no context of Mormonism would be absolutely floored by a story like this. And we don't like it. Like it feels crazy to us, but I think we're kind of like, oh, like that sucks. But I think someone who doesn't know what we know would seriously be shocked to their core. Okay, this next story, I'm just going to read the end of it, but it is from someone who was an EFY counselor. And they wrote in and were talking about how much they hated being in charge of dress coding all of the young girls who went to EFY, but they felt like they had to because if they didn't dress code them, they would just get dress coded by like the superiors. Okay, they said the worst experience was when two roommates bought matching outfits for a dance. They spent their entire free time that afternoon getting ready and they were so excited. One was more petite and the other more curvy. On the first girl, the outfit passed my rigorous modesty tests. The second girl failed. I spent 30 minutes trying to explain to her why why the exact same dress on her friend's body was acceptable, but on her body it was not. She felt like I was calling her fat. She became increasingly uncomfortable while I verbalized the existence of her breasts. She was so devastated and confused and angry. I eventually caved and let her go in the outfit, warning her we would be sent back. Five minutes into the dance, my superior tapped me on the shoulder and told me what I already knew. I had to escort her back while she cried and missed almost the entire dance. She hated me the rest of the week. I hated myself. This one hit me so hard because it just sucks so bad that we were also part of the system. And what this brought up for me was how frequently I've been in the position of judging other people too. And I want to talk about this more when I talk about garments next week, because that feels more of when my judgment kicked in when I started wearing garments and was like garment checking other people. But it's just so devastating that this woman knew that what she was doing was not good, but she felt she needed to do it. And I just feel so much for this poor girl who because she has a different body type than her friend, could not wear her dress, had to be humiliated, had to miss the dance for just something that does not matter. Also, something I wanted to say here is just a shout out to you 
women who have bigger boobs, I know that this is so much harder for you. I've talked to women who have bigger boobs and I know that trying to dress quote modest is so much more difficult when you have more curves. And I just think that that would suck so bad to feel like just the existence of your body having boobs is like inherently wrong and sexual. And I'm sure there's so much more of a burden of trying to like cover up your chest, which you can't even do. And I don't know. I just feel like that would be even harder in a lot of ways. Next story. This person says, this is the craziest thing that ever happened to me in church. My young women's leader was teaching a lesson on modesty. The leader made one of those old folding tables lean. So it was a slide. She then proceeded to make all of the girls go down the slide in our church clothes. She said if you were uncomfortable at all or had to adjust your dress or skirt before going down the slide, you shouldn't be wearing what you were wearing. It was humiliating. What are these contraptions that we are coming up with to test the modesty of clothing? Like you're not going to have to go down a slide in your church clothes. I don't get this. This is crazy. But you know the young woman leader who came up with that slide idea really thought she was onto something with that one. Okay, we're going to talk about swimsuits now because so many submissions were about swimsuits, particularly swimsuits at church-sanctioned activities and how, for some reason, the Mormon church seems to think a young woman in a swimsuit is inherently evil and bad. Okay, we had a boating activity at Bear Lake. The boys got to wear regular swimsuits, shorts, no shirt. The girls had to wear a shirt over our swimsuits. My friends and I decided to take off our t-shirts and see what happened. The young women's the young women leaders came down on us so hard. They told us our bodies were distracting to the young men. One of them mentioned that it was our job as young women to make sure the boys were worthy to serve missions. Total BS. I think about this incident way more than I should. I'm grateful to not be raising my kids in such toxic environments. Such a double standard. The amount of you who wrote in and said you were forced to wear t-shirts over your swimsuits is ridiculous and such a double standard because the young men never had to wear t-shirts and could go shirtless whenever and wherever they pleased. Next story. I've always had a long torso, so one-piece swimsuits were rough. I also grew up in Florida, so swimsuit shopping was a regular deal. When I was about 13, my mom and I were at Walmart looking at tankinis, talking about how they'd still cover my stomach and would be easier to find better and more comfortable fits for my torso length. The next Sunday, my young woman's leader took me aside and told me that she had overheard my mom and I at Walmart and was disappointed that I'd bought tankinis and made the choice to be immodest. I remember thinking, was she hunched like a gremlin in the little circular rack of swimsuits listening in? <laughs> that visual. It was so confusing to me because I was still covered the same amount and just as modest as with a one-piece swimsuit. It's the first letter versus spirit of the law experience I had. I also remember thinking it was weird she was talking to me and told her to talk to my mom instead, but my mom probably would have told her to go eat shit. Good job, mom. Imagine commenting on a tween's swimsuit. 
Imagine commenting on a tween swimsuit, yes, but imagine overhearing this conversation, hearing this 13-year-old girl expressing her desire to be modest, but also to be comfortable, and then pulling her aside and being upset with her for buying a tankini. What the hell? It's just wild, this story all these stories, but this story just showing the emphasis on modesty, the insane emphasis on modesty. This young women's leader felt so intense about it that she overheard the conversation and then just based on the conversation that she heard had to shame this young 13 year old girl for getting a tankini, which as she said, is literally the same as a one piece anyway. I cannot get over the gremlin visual, like (laughs) legitimately hiding like a gremlin to overhear the swimsuit conversation at Walmart. What's going on? This next one is going to make your blood boil. I currently go to BYU and my friend just started dating this guy who also goes here. About a month in, they had a chat about kids and how they would raise kids, what standards they want, and modesty was brought up. He told her that he believes ripped jeans are immodest and that he doesn't want his kids wearing them. He also talked about how women who dressed immodest who dress immodestly are seeking attention and how it's not an attractive or Christ-like quality. I was honestly floored because I know Mormon men often have a lot to say about women's bodies and how we choose to present ourselves, but ripped jeans. I'm scared about what's going on at BYU, you guys. And this is coming from someone who went to BYU, and I saw things going on. But I can tell you that there are TikToks galore of BYU students being interviewed, and I'm greatly concerned. And yes, we will do an episode on BYU going-ons, goings-ons, happenings, (laughs) the happenings at BYU, because the way some of these BYU students are answering questions is quite alarming. And the fact that this man in this day and age is telling this woman who he just started dating that their kids won't be wearing ripped jeans, I'm feeling deeply troubled. (sighs) Next story. I was eight when my brother was married at the temple and they picked out a flower girl slash junior bridesmaid dress for me. It had spaghetti straps and as I was playing outside of the temple, a worker came outside, pulled me aside, and told me that Heavenly Father would be very disappointed in the amount of skin I showed outside of his home and it's best if I asked someone for a jacket. She also told me that I would never be allowed inside if I continued on this path. I was so sad and so embarrassed. I didn't choose the dress, yet somehow I was responsible for it as a child. Okay, so this is a child. The, The impact that it has when you are that young and you are told something you are doing is bad and that Heavenly Father would be disappointed in you and that you are on a bad path. That shit goes deep to be told that as a child. And I know a lot of you relate to this and have had this in some form or another. And I am just so sorry because that should never, ever happen. It does not matter what you wear as an eight-year-old. 
And to be told that Heavenly Father cares what you're wearing, what dress you're wearing, no, 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 no. Speaking of that long-term impact, here's another swimsuit one. When I was 12 years old, attending my first girls camp, we were swimming and I jumped in the pool. Naturally, the water pushed my top up a little bit and when I got out of the pool, maybe two inches of my stomach was showing and a leader pulled me aside and said if I didn't have a modest swimsuit, she would have to give me a t-shirt. Mind you, there weren't even any males present. Literally a bunch of little beehives swimming together and she shamed me for nothing. Took me almost 10 years to wear a bikini in public because of this incident. Oof, this is what I'm saying with this shit goes deep. When you're told as a 12-year-old that it's so inappropriate that a little bit of your stomach is showing for no damn good reason, that's scary and that impacts you. Like that impacts your brain where even if you rationally grow out of that or know that that's inappropriate and irrational, it still can affect you deep, deep down and... I want to talk about this more next week with body image stuff because I think that's really connected to garments for me specifically. So we're going to talk more about modesty and garments and how that like affects our body image. But this just really, really bums me out. And why? Like she said, that even if there were males present, it shouldn't matter. But can beehives just swim and just exist? Can they just exist in a swimming pool and go swimming? Can that not be allowed? Okay, this is going to be my last one because my commentary is growing increasingly less intelligent and more and more just pure anger and dismay. So let's end on this one. When I was 17, I got asked to sing at my friend's farewell. I wore a dress with spaghetti straps, but of course wore a shirt under it. The shirt was a quarter sleeve lace shirt that you could hardly see through. After the sacrament meeting, a woman in the congregation came up to me and handed me a note that said, I could have felt the spirit more if you were dressed modestly. I got a pit in my stomach, holding back tears and showed my mom the note. She took it to the bishop pissed and told him. He then had me come in his office. This was not my ward or bishop. And I was thinking he was going to ask who gave me the note. Instead, he sat me down, locked the door and told me he could see my bra straps. And on top of it, my rendition of the song, I believe in Christ wasn't the original version and was inappropriate. My mom pounded on the door and called at him to unlock it, and when he did, she yelled at him, and it was amazing. Go, mom. Looking back as an adult, how creepy that a middle-aged man I didn't know locked me in a room and told me he could see my bra straps. About a week later, him and his counselors came to my house and apologized with a letter from the woman who gave me the note as well. It was all so uncomfortable and embarrassing. Yes, that sounds insanely uncomfortable and embarrassing, A perfect stranger giving you a note that she would have felt the spirit more if you were dressed modestly is really bonkers. And the bishop locking the door and telling you about your bra straps and insult to injury about the song. This one to me, and I think this is the note I will end on, just shows how much the mark is being missed. 
Here's a teenage girl, wants to sing at her friend's farewell, singing a church hymn, and we've got to make it about what she's wearing. We've got to make it, I keep saying we, they, they have to make it about what she's wearing and that becomes the most important thing. Like it's so twisted because it's putting this thing, modesty, above everything else and why no one ever said it should be that way. Like where is the church getting this extreme focus on modesty, it just doesn't make any sense. And I can imagine this person might feel like I was explaining I felt when I got called out for wearing a bikini, where it's like, even as a teenager, I could see like, this shouldn't be the most important thing. It really shouldn't be the most important thing. Why are we making everything about this? And again, I think it's just a massive, massive miss of what's most important and what really matters in life. And it's just a bummer because it feels like a lot of wasted energy and a lot of unnecessary trauma that we all went through. Thank you for writing in these submissions. I, as upset as it makes me to read how many of us went through this, it also feels healing that we can share these stories and unpack together and just be upset and dismayed and confused that this was ever allowed to happen. So thank you for writing in and trusting me with your stories. I wish I could tell every single one of them. Seriously, I feel like I barely skimmed the surface. As I said, next week, we're going to talk more about garments and garment checking and body image stuff. And I may even don my research cap And do a little bit more of a deep dive in like the history of garments and some like more of the facts around it. I don't know. We'll see. But stay tuned for that. There's a lot more stories that were written in that I'm going to share next week that are along those lines. Thanks for hanging in there for these crazy modesty stories. So glad you're here. So glad you're listening. As always, if you enjoy the podcast... Follow me over on Instagram, Girls Camp Podcast, TikTok, Haley Rawl. Leave a review. I will be so grateful and so glad. And I love you all. Thanks so much for being here. Can't wait to chat next week. Bye. G-I-